Clear Eyes Full Shelves, and this is our third edition of the podcast. And today we are going to talk about this whole notion of new adults. Quote, which is, unquote. Quote, unquote. Which I've written a bit about on the blog, and... There's um, been a lot all around the The internet web. has been yeah. very... For about six months now, so I guess this idea isn't going to go away. Um, not that I want it to go away, it sounds bad, but the conversation isn't, I sort of thought maybe it was like something that would, you know, how the kind internet is. Out, yeah. yeah, but the conversation just keeps growing, growing. I feel like. um, but with some very strange ideas, yeah. I feel and like. So what we wanted to talk about is sort of what, how does it, this idea of new adult, how is it looking right now? Like, what would we like it to be? And we want to figure mm-hmm. out, is it even something new? Like, or is it just sort of like a different label and something that already exists? Mm-hmm. And um, talk about some books that we've sort of read as being in that. I don't even know if they're talking about. You can about, call it a genre. Is it a genre? Yeah. Is it a category? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so when the idea of this new adult thing was, um, it's actually, a, it first Saint was Martin's coined Press? by St. Martin's Press, yeah. um, and they, several years ago, and um, they put out a call for books that was, um, that was asking for books that they had an interesting, um, this is the quote, that was fiction similar to YA that can be published and marketed as, as adult, sort of an older YA or new adult. I'm using air quotes, which you can't yeah. see right now. Uh, I use air, I air quote a lot. Yeah, I do that frequently also. Um, so. Okay, so this is an aside, but that is apparently... <laughs> so you know how you always worry that you might be like an accidental millennial because of the year you were born yeah. in? So this is proof positive you were actually Generation X. Because I use air quotes. Because you use air quotes. <laughs> and in Chuck Klosterman's book, Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs, uh-huh. he has this whole essay about how um, Generation X is defined by air quote usage. You know what I blame for this? Say anything. That girl. It's totally say anything spot. Who was in Heather's. Uh-huh. Who was the yeah. air quote girl and say anything. And then yeah. she tragically apparently died of a brain tumor. Oh, geez, I didn't know that. That's yeah. terrible. Which is actually referenced in Heather's, which people, is a really weird thing. That is a weird thing. Anyways. Yeah. So, so she was the air quote girl and say anything, which I think is a very Gen X movie. It is a very um, Gen X movie. And... People all know that movie. Yeah, so your your air quotes usage is definitely an indicator. <laughs> you can rest be rest assured you are not like a secret millennial. millennial. Okay, yeah. good. That makes me feel better. Yeah. Um, culturally speaking, you are Generation X, okay, so who cares what year you were born in? Yeah. It's not your fault that, you know, you were born a year too late. Yeah, it's really not. I had yeah. no control of it. Yeah. I really didn't. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, what the idea behind St. Martin's call for this type of book was that it was, they identified the phenomenon of adults reading teen fiction, which, you know, if you've read the blog for a while, I've sort of picked apart some of those numbers, and as much as those of us who are adults who like to read teen fiction, the numbers aren't as significant as sort of the perception is. Yes. Um, it's not... Not 
the number that gets misconstrued a lot, and I believe publishers are even getting this wrong, is that yes. they that fifty five percent of YA readers are adults, which is not true. Fifty five percent of buyers of YA books are adults. But that means, like, you can be an adult who happens to pick up The Fault in Our Stars at Costco, and you count as, and you may not even know, most likely you don't know that The Fault in Our Stars is a YA book, and you are identified as part of that group. So, when you break down the numbers, it's still, like, 72% of YA books that are sold are read by teens. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still... a relatively small but you right. know like 30 percent or whatever is nothing to sneeze about so they basically and I think saw, the audience is growing i do and i so. actually think what i see i mean we this is something i think is probably for a whole to- podcast topic in and of itself but i see the way people buy books and the way people discover books has really changed and yeah. you know you look at where people buy books and since there aren't as many bookstores um People are buying books at non-bookstore places, like yes. at Costco, at Target, at those, you know, all those mm-hmm. types of places. And the books are all jumbled up. Like, they don't have a sign that says, these are the books for teens, these are the books for adults, these are the books for middle grade readers. Mm-hmm. They have a children's section, but that's, like, pretty obvious when books are for, like, young children. Yeah. But anything that's, like, novel length is just all mixed up. And I think that's pretty intentional on the part yeah. of those retailers. Like, those retailers do a lot... I know a lot about retail, guys, which is amusing because I've never actually worked in retail. Um, but I've written a lot about retail. Yeah. And um, they have figured out that if that the, le- the less they segment out books, the more people buy. I'm convinced that they figured that out because I see that over and over and over again at these really successful large retailers. Mm-hmm. And, I think and they sell a lot of books. Like Walmart, Target, Costco, Sam's Club are like huge forces in book economics. Yeah. Which you don't even really hear people talk about. You don't about hear that. about it. And it's like they're huge. And you look at any of those places and they just have them sort of all mixed up. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a reason that people don't even know that they're buying books for teens. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably why it's changing. And then when someone goes and they want to buy another book by this author whose book they picked up at, like, Costco, um, you know, they go onto Amazon or whatever, and they're like, oh, this is more from the teen section. Okay, and it sort of, like, opens their minds subtly. Yeah. Um, but I don't think they're like, I'm going to go read books for teens. Like, I yeah. think those of us who are on the Internet have a little bit of a different experience with our book consumption ha- right. habits than, like, your average reader. I know. Like, that's crazy voracious. Yeah, people. like, if we're reading, like, 100, <laughs> 150, even more. I mean, some people read, I mean, I, you know, I mean, like, April, Good Books and Good Wine is, like... <laughs> Mega reader. <laughs> a reading superstar, you know, with her, like, 250, 300 books a year. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, we're not normal. Yeah. Shocker. Um. <laughs> so, I'm so glad you're here to tell me these. Things. I know that's what I'm here for. So they had this contest, and they didn't buy any of the manuscripts that they got as a part of this new mm-hmm. adult contest. Um, and one of the things that I thought was really interesting was actually a couple of the finalists actually did have their books published as YA novels. Oh, um, that were you know that I thought was kind of interesting. So this contest lives on. Yeah, so sort of this like new adult. Yeah, this contest, sort of the legacy of it is this term, new adult. Mm -hmm. And I kind of have an issue with the terminology, as we were talking about before I hit record, Mm -hmm. um, for a couple of reasons. Part of it is that, like, linguistically, it's like 
if you were to walk up to someone and say, like, I want a new adult book, would they point you to, like, the new the releases, new releases in the adult, the adult section? section. Yeah. I mean, like, it's very confusing. Um, but then the other thing in it that Laura and I were talking about is that, like, if I were 20 and someone called me a new adult, I would be kind of insulted. Yeah. Um... Because you're so proud when you turn 18. When you turn 18, and you're you like, turn 21, you're like, I'm an adult. Yeah, like, Why I can buy alcohol and vote. And lottery ticket. Buy a gun if I want to. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, so, you, so it's like these sort of privileges of adulthood that come with those milestones. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, and it's, you know, it was so important to me at that, you know, in that sort of 18 yeah. Really up to, like, about 25 age range to be perceived as an adult. And even past college when I was, like, you know, working on my first jobs and that sort of thing. Where, like, I was so often perceived as the kid. Yeah. That, like, having that label slapped on my age group would have really ruffled my feathers. Like, really, really, really ruffled my feathers. Especially, you know, like, I was having a lot of career success as I, like, pretty young. Yeah. And, like, being sort of like, oh, she's a new adult, I would have just been like... I don't need another reminder that I'm younger than everyone else. Yeah. Um, but that's Stop just my judging own. judging me on my age, you know? No, I mean, that's just, a, I mean, that's kind of, in a sense, my own issue, but um, it is a it is an odd term. But it's the one that people are throwing around, mm-hmm. and it's the one that sort of seems to be... Um, sticking. Sticking, and there's been articles in, I'm sure, eventually the New York Times is going to discover it's, like, sort of a thing and do a trend article on it. I thought they did already. Did they already do yeah. it? Oh, my goodness. They're only, like, six months behind us. Supposed to their normal like year behind. I could have sworn there was a New York Times article recently. There probably but it was used that whole thing about the it's sexified YA. Yes, which that's I'm not right. really in agreement with that label. Yeah, so that's one of. So there's been a lot of attempts to um, define uh, define this term of new adult, and. And you are right, actually. The New York Times did do the story. And so that's a good segue. Um, one of the ways that it seems to have the direction it's gone into is not what I had hoped. Yeah. Um, the definite, the direction, that defi- not because I'm not approved, but, like, I kind of yeah. sound a little bit like it in this. Um, it is that it's the New York Times headline, I think, sort of encapsulated it all. Beyond wizards and vampires to sex. <laughs> 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 so, um, you know, basically, this is where it kind of seems to be going. <laughs> I think it's kind of creepy, frankly. And actually, the New York Times actually made it even worse because they described it as they've labeled this category new adult, which some winkingly describe as Harry Potter meets Fifty Shades of Grey. Ew! I know. <laughs> and say it's aimed at 18 to 25-year-olds, the age range right above young adult. So, you know, that seems to be where it's a lot of the popularity is centered on. And that's even um, to the point where there's that series, the it's like the Vincent Boys series, and I'm not sure who the, Abby Glines is that, that the author, who um, she has, there's self-published YA books, that she is that are being reissued by um, it got acquired by a publisher probably Atria. I mean they buy all the popular yeah. self-published books, and there's being special ebook only editions of those that are sexified as new adults. Yes, 
I'm making a weird face. Laura's making a... Laura's actually... I might need to push pause and resuscitate Laura because she might actually be dying. Yeah, I have weird facial expressions. Obviously, our listeners don't. You actually look kind of stricken. How did I not tell you about this? Yeah, I don't... I just get really bothered. Well, A, there is lots of sex in YA. There is! I don't even understand where this notion of no sex in YA is coming from. I have no idea, because I can make you a list. I know, I can make... There is a list! Oh my goodness, I'm crazy. We have a list on the website. Yeah. It's go to... go to. And that doesn't even begin to encompass all the books that actually have sex. That is just healthy sex. Yeah, those are just like (laughs) sex positive novels. Like there's a lot that it's like there's sex but it's kind of like creepy. Yeah. Or like it's like vampire sex. Yeah, we're not going to go there. And Uh, like (laughs) stuff like that that I just, you know, wanted to sort of, I wanted to, you know, convey a specific vibe but not um, just every YA book with sex which is actually another when we start talking about Google search terms I get so many Google hits that are like YA books with sex that's very interesting. I just, so anyway, yeah, there are lots of YA books with sex, so I don't know where this notion is coming from. And yeah, it's and it's. I mean, so I, see, I just don't even think it's necessary to have a sexified YA because there's plenty of sex. I in YA, know, and so. but you see, it's this new adult thing where it's this sort of YA-ish books with sex. Yeah, which I just air quoted. I'm not sure why I air quoted sex. <laughs> <laughs> um, they it really seems to be driven by um, the self-published community uh, where it just seems like I mean I'm on Goodreads a lot and I see like every day like a whole bunch of books people are adding that are self-published sort of like 18 year olds uh, are the main characters and there's quite a bit of sex and so they're in a sense sort of like Contemporary romance right. with younger, because contemporary romance has really gone, gotten older in the last, I don't know, I don't know the whole history of romance, yeah. but it, romance used to be younger, and then it's gotten older to where it's almost like you see, it's very normal to see romance that's in like the 30s, yeah. um, and it almost seems like it's sort of going back to that romance that's yeah. younger. And not that I haven't, I actually think, I, you know, we're a very romance-positive blog. It's not like they're any way negative towards that genre. But it's interesting that that seems to be where the perception of what that means has settled. Yeah. Is that it's contemporary romance for, with, like, 18 to 22-year-old characters. Yes. And that's not what I had hoped it would be. Yeah, and, and I think there's a lot of books that could be classified as, air quote, new adult, that... Um, are not like that at all. No. That I wouldn't even begin to describe them as a romance. Yeah, or Um, if they are, they're more... They're more books about... While there are um, aspects of romance, they would not follow the traditional romance conventions. Which is a really specific thing. Right. I'm gesticulating now. At the microphone, as if all of you are actually in the microphone. Yeah, I just might need like, to turn into like a video that people can see. I'm actually, I'm actually gesturing. I really just, re- I realized I just, I have been doing this. I've been talking to the microphone. Like you all are living in there and you see me. And it's not at all awkward. I was such a doofus. Um, I just realized I was doing that. That's why. 
Um, so, I mean, you know, what is it that, like, I mean, because I, you know, I think of this idea of new adult, and I think of, you know, that sort of post-high school time, and, you know, obviously, like, yeah. you know, because my own personal experience was that after high school I went to college, so I, you know, the right. thing set in college is really appealing, <coughs> but, you know, there's also, you know, all you know, all sorts of paths people can take in that time right. after college. And so I've been, so, you know, I've been rewatching Dawson's Creek, right. which has been quite, so I'm going to relate it to Dawson's Creek. It's like the first four seasons of Dawson's Creek were YA. Mm-hmm. They're in high school. They're sort of like these totally like dumb, self-absorbed high school kids. They graduate and they go on, you know, most of them go to college. Pacey goes off on his, but on not his boat, on a boat. And then, you know, figures out that he actually likes to cook and starts training as a chef. Yeah. You know, but, like, those sorts of experiences, like, they had in Dawson's Creek in seasons five and six are, like, very quintessentially, like, that idea of new adult. Like, yeah. sort of post-high school, like, like kind of who where, do I, what per, sort of person do I want to be? Yeah, and it's about kind of figuring out, I think it's that time where you no longer have a support system. Yeah, and even you if know, you a financial do, one, like where your parents are supporting you, or where you're living with your parents, or where you know, at college, I feel like it's often still kind of young adult because you're still yeah. Some people have fairly intense like support systems. Yeah, and, some. and you have like you're still living on campus in this bubble with this group of people. Um, but so I've always kind of considered new adult to be more like when you're out of that kind of setting. And you're really having mm-hmm. to figure out how to stand on your own two feet. Yeah, and I sort of perceived it as that, like, kind of almost that moment when you realize that, like, all of the stuff that you had, you're going to have to figure out a way, you know, to build that for yourself. Yes. So it's, you know, in high school, you sort of have those built in friendships and you have sort of built in, you know, support yeah. networks and you have, like, a place to live and all of those things. And, at some point in your life, whether it's in college or, like, shortly thereafter, mm-hmm. or if it's, you know, after you've graduated from high school and trying to figure out what you want to do, yeah, there is a point at which, hopefully, you figure out that you need to build some sort of sustainable life for yourself. Like, yeah. you can't just sort of drift. And I think that's a real, there's so much fodder in terms of fiction that can yeah. be explored. I mean, and I found that to be a really formative time for me. I did, like, too. I kind of did drift for a couple years. You know, um, well, I mean, I had a job and I was supporting myself, but it wasn't really what I wanted to do. Um, And I had to figure out how to make that happen for myself because nobody was going to do it for me, you know. Yeah. Um, And and I thought that was a highly influential part of my life. And so that's when I I started to get kind of excited about this idea of new adult, despite that I think the name is super dorky. (laughs) Um, It was was thinking about those sorts of times. And like... It's it's disappointing that that doesn't seem to be where it's going. Yeah, or like how the media who's learning about this. Yeah, and it, which is helping is to drive the narrative. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. Like, get yeah, move over vampires. <laughs> That's so bad. Um. Because I even you know there's 
you know, like I, one of the books, first really popular ones from this, that sort of new adult thing was a self-published one that's now been since been published by Penguin, which is Tomorrow Weber's Easy. Which I haven't read yet. Which I have read, and I gave it four stars on Goodreads. It's really, like, in terms of the writing and that sort of thing, it's really, like, a three-star book, but it's, like, I gave it a bonus star for being innovative. Mm-hmm. You know how that, you yeah. know, like, I do that. I award bonus. For those of you who live in this microphone that I'm looking at right now, <laughs> um, I, you can follow me on Goodreads. I award bonus stars for doing something that I think is exemplary in some way or stands yeah. out in oh, some I way. I totally do that. I'm a total, like, Friday Night Lights references. Bonus, bonus. star. Exactly. <laughs> um... Like, yeah, I, and I also take away, I, I will give penalty stars as well. Yeah. Like. I'm just like, oh, that ending was cliched. Mm, yeah, you know. and I hit, I, there are a few things that I just automatic penalty stars. Um, so Easy takes place in college, mm-hmm. and um, it has, you know, it has some issues with the writing, but in general, it really addresses that, um, this character, she's not really having to learn how to support herself, but what she is learning how, what she, through the course of the story, what she learns is really how to, is, and is literally defend herself and mm-hmm. protect herself. And um, it's uh, sort of almost, it's really about personal growth and being able, I mean, there's this whole, like, romance that's part of the story. But what really, what stuck with me is that she figures out that she's not always going to have someone there to save her. Mm-hmm. That she's got to know how to save herself. And that's like a really, like, that's a very important realization for that character. And that I was... I think it's important for people in general. Yeah, and it was, and that kind of thing is really, you can address that in books for teens, and you can address that in sort of, traditional adult fiction but if we're going to have <laughs> I know I have to do a, I have to do a special voice when I say that a special snotty voice I know um, <laughs> reserved for but if it's sort of talking about people in the age sort of this 18 to 25 age group that's where I see like there's so many opportunities as yes. people sort of figuring out those moments where like oh well people aren't always going to bail me out or aren't always going to physically save me like i have to know yeah. how to do that for myself and in that book in easy she actually has to learn how to physically save herself and that's and she can't have someone else always in the wings waiting to you know right. save her and um and i thought that was really 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 well done so i got really jazzed up i was like this is so cool there's a book set in college because this was like when people were yeah. talking about it's going to be a thing and it's going to be you know you're going to learn it's going to be about characters who like learn to get, like sort of figure their crap out and they have to like like ultimately they like, can't rely on anyone but themselves and like you know relationships change so much during that time yes. i mean <laughs> that's and the way you have i mean the, the way, way you have to interact with other people really changes like with your parents mm-hmm. with or siblings you know just in general i think it changes a lot during that time yeah and that, and and actually easy did a good job of that too is really the the friendships are very different than the type of friendships you would have in high school and yeah. um so I was really hoping that would sort of be the direction, because that book had a lot of success, um, that that would be the direction that this went in, but it hasn't really, that's sort of been almost the outlier, yeah. Um, as opposed to the the sort of norm, which is quite disappointing, to be honest. Yeah. Um, 
But the, there are a lot of books that have kind of done that. Yeah, that so I like a lot. We want to talk about the ones that sort of exemplify what we'd like. Yeah, new adult to Which be. Which is if clearly it's gonna be a, a better option, right? If it's gonna be a thing, <laughs> you we want to it to be this. <laughs> you know we are the arbiter of these things yes in our minds yes yeah which is really what's important <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those moments where it's unfortunate this is not a video cast because yeah. the, your, the expression on your face was pretty funny <laughs> you do a great like I'm a snot expression I know it's really spectacular I'm kind of impressed and I'm like a real snot so <laughs> You know, one of the one of the ones that you know is actually a bit older that I thought did that really well was the Jessica Darling series. Yes, which I love. Like I am one latecomer to the Jessica Darling yeah, series. Yeah, me too. I just read it last year. Yeah, we we read we both read them all five of them last year, um, prompted by our book club. Yeah, well, that was when our book club only had. Did we have three people? Four. Oh yeah, we had four. I forgot about my mom. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. Um, and now we're huge. Like, they might yeah. kick us out of Pacific Pie Company. I think they are. I don't, they don't look as happy to see us as they used to be. No, I think we're a little too big for them. I could we weird. stay for a long time, too. Yeah. Anyways. Um, but, uh, and so we both read Jessica Darling, and I liked the first book. I liked the second book. Third, fourth, and fifth, I adored. Yeah. Because the third takes place um, during Jessica's college years. Yeah. The fourth is right when she graduates. Right. And then the fifth is um, a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, what, like 24? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. yeah. And um, really captured that, like, sort of, oh, my God, I have to be a grown-up. Yeah. Sort of How do I do that? How do I do this? <laughs> Which is hard. I think that's really hard. I know. And, um, and Megan McCafferty, who's the author of Jessica Darling, does it in such a funny, smart, oh. so snarky, there are, which I love. There are moments, though, oh, especially in Jessica Darling number three, the year when she's in college. Yes. There are moments where I actually had to, like, Put set my candle down. aside <laughs> and have a moment because it just... It just, like, brings back this blood. Like, awkward just, like, memories. Just, like, oh, no, I totally did that. It's just, like, when they, when they like, there's there's that scene in the dorm lounge. Yeah. When they, I don't even, it's like, oh. I don't even remember the details of the scene. I just remember the awkwardness. Yeah. Where they're like, it's like confession time or whatever. And it's just like, oh, I did that. Don't do that, kids. Don't do that. But you know they're going to. But you know they're going to because everyone does that. It's it's one of those sort of like, no. (laughs) I'm slow motion running right now. Yeah, I was going to mention that to everybody. And, um, but just the awkwardness and the stupid decisions, because that's one of the things, like, you're 18, 19, so you think you know it all, and you can, like, make decisions. Yeah. But actually, when you're 18 and 19, and I'm sorry to, like, I know we have some younger listeners. Yes. Not to When you're that age, (laughs) what you think you know and what you actually know, there's a very large chasm. Yeah. And I didn't know that at the time. Yes. Now that I'm yeah. much, much older, because I am really old, <laughs> I'm the oldest person in this room, um, 
technically of different generations. Technically, yeah. I mean, Laura She's is Generation like... X, and I'm technically millennial, even though I'd rather be Generation X. <laughs> um, like, That's how old she is, everybody. It's really, yeah. <laughs> I, it's like, I'm finally in the same generation as the president, and that's like not actually like the best feeling. Oh, I didn't even think about that. You're right, though. Yeah. How upsetting is that? Yeah. Because the president's like always been old, right? And now it's like we're the same generation. That's really upsetting. Um, <laughs> anyway. Not um, my generation. Your generation. Yeah, I don't know. If I'll be a millennial when it suits me. I don't know. If <laughs> I'm not sure if the millennials will produce a president. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, but there's just so many moments in Jessica Darling which are beautifully awkward and I mean just you know like when she gets an internship yeah and like she thinks the internship is going to be yeah a certain way it's going to be this amazing life-changing thing and like you know what every internship sucks like it's internships are the worst did you ever have to do an internship oh see you missed out internships are terrible like, I worked in food service for a few years. I mean, it's kind of like if, like, you were working in food service, so all the dumb crap related to, like, you know, having to do all the, like, crap work. Yeah. And you weren't getting paid, and it was supposed to be glamorous. Oh. And you had to get dressed up. Ew. Yeah. Internships are terrible. Uh, and they're supposed to be, like, these amazing learning experiences where you make connections that will last a lifetime. And they don't. They don't. I hate to burst anyone's bubble. <laughs> but just, she expects this internship to just be transformative and, like, it's going to, like, help her know what she's going to do. And yeah. it's just, like, none of that happens. It, yeah, it doesn't meet her expectations. The whole thing is just disappointing and it's awkward and it's just, and it just is done, like, that kind of thing yeah. is what we need more of, is that sort of, like, awkwardness of and trying to be like, an adult. Yeah, and I feel like in a lot of ways with her where... Even though she would snark on these other people, but I almost felt this undercurrent where she was jealous, though, even though she didn't necessarily like them and want what they did, where they had but she decisions. Was, she was envious that they yeah. had... It seemed like they had their shit together. Something figured out. You know, like, they're just like, oh, everyone's moving on into adulthood without me. Wait! You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Even, if you, even if that's not what you want, it's hard not to be envious when you're just like, God. This person's, like, married, they've got a house, you're just, like, you're, like, I don't want to be married to that guy, but, like, she's got it all, yeah. her life is, like, settled, you know? Yeah. I feel like that's a very unsettling time. Yeah, and, like, when Jessica, like, has to figure out where to live, like, yeah. this is, like, a repeating, this, like, happens several times. Yeah, where and that happens she has a lot like, at that age. Yeah. I moved so many I times. I moved so many times, too, and, like... Like, those kinds of things, which, honestly, they sound like they wouldn't be that good of fodder for fiction. Because, like, yeah. how boring is that? Like, so-and-so is trying to find a place to live. No, trying to find a place to live is hilarious. Yes. <laughs> like, and it's, like, really stressful. And yeah. it's, like, very, and there's, like, all kinds of dramatics related to, like, who are going to be your roommates? And, like, yeah. what are all the dynamics there? And, like, yeah. what if your roommates have, like, a good job and you have a crappy job? And, yeah. you know, all of that stuff that is, like, really makes for good the potential yeah. for good storytelling happens. I think people's in, lives go in very different directions at that time too. Whether you are going out of high school and you go to college, right after college, people divide. Yes, there. It. 
I mean, I don't know what a lot of people that I went to college do because I'm only in touch with a couple people, but we're all yeah. very at different levels in general, you know. I don't mean better or worse. I obsessively read the alumni newsletter, so, <laughs> you know, as you, as you discovered when I texted you earlier yeah. this week about our alumni newsletter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think there's, like, a really, there's a lot of changes that happened during that time that really can determine what direction your life goes in. Um, and Jessica Darling, I mean that. Yeah, she does that. Megan McCafferty does that so so well. Yeah, like it's, I think she did an awesome job because it's also funny. I mean, I look at the time. I didn't think a lot of this stuff was funny. Yeah, but I was look like, back on it. And I was like, hilarious. that was hilarious. Like, I mean, like you're just like, why did I do that? I did that, you know? Yeah, just things like. I mean, I just remember like we. It was like one of the most devastating things that happened is uh-huh. when this one restaurant changed ownership uh-huh. and like they started carting. And like, and they had great margaritas. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the thing. But like, it was just like very upsetting thing. Like, it was like, what do we do now? Yeah, you know that sort of thing. And like, just like, and that stuff. It makes for good story. Yeah. <laughs> and the Jessica Darling series sort of encapsulates. There's a lot of seriousness because there's a lot of relationship angst that goes through all five books. Right. Um, because Jessica has sort of this on again, off again. If you haven't read the series, relationship with this guy she went to high school with, um, Marcus Flutie who's kind of got some issues. Yeah. And to say the least. To say the least. And um But I think it's interesting her relationships with her parents and her sister. The relationship and her with friends. the sister is yeah. probably my favorite. I really them. enjoyed that one. And I I'm an only child so I find, often find reading about sibling relationships bizarre. Because I'm like, okay, your sibling is an asshole. Like, why are you talking to them? Like, I really get, like, it's completely confusing to me. And because I really don't get, like, I don't get that relationship. But in that book, I got that. Like, that relationship was done so well. Um, And just her relationships with her friends from childhood and how Uh they changed and sort of fell apart and came back together and sort of reassembled themselves was very, very well done and really authentic. Mm -hmm. And, um... It, it's just, that series is great. I just think that when you are younger, you're like a younger teenager, you kind of just, and no offense once again to anyone who is, you know, that age, because this isn't meant to be an insult. No, because but you honestly. you be very self-absorbed at that Being age. that age sucks. Like, yeah. I would not for any, anything yeah. go back and be like, that I'm age. Like, I'm not saying that it's easy or No, anything. it's really yeah, hard. It it's, sucks. It's yeah. a lot easier to be my age than it was to be 16. Yeah, and then I think that you go through this period of self-absorption, and then you kind of, I think Jessica Darling really, that series really shows getting out of that period in a really great, funny way. Yeah, and um, it's just how you move through it and get beyond that. And it's interesting because I saw on um, a very popular blog did a list of, like, sort of recommended books that mm-hmm. are set in college and, like, could be considered new adult. And that blog didn't include the Jessica Darling series. And someone made a note in the comments, like, wouldn't Jessica Darling be considered, you know, new adult? And the... Um, owner of that blog wrote back no because jessica is such an asshole and like i love jessica i love jessica too and like honestly she is kind of honestly she is kind of an asshole but i think most people that age are assholes well and i think i think i was an asshole at that age i mean honestly everyone kind of is in those books in a lot of ways like they're very they're wrapped they're trying to figure out like what they're going 
to do with their lives. Yeah. And, like, sort of a, it's not a, like, what am I going to be when I grow up sort of abstraction. They're figuring yeah. out, like, how am I going to find a roommate and how am I, you yeah. know, all those things. And, like, those things kind of make you a bit of a jerk, and that's sort of normal. Yeah. Um, I think everyone goes through a jerky phase. Yeah, I'm still kind of, age, I'm kind of a know. jerk still, I mean, actually. I'm still kind of a jerk, yeah, if we're being honest here. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, I mean, and that's actually, like, you know, another one of the books that I'd recommend is New Adult is the sequel to If I Stay, which is where, where she, she went. went. Yeah. And Adam in that book is really kind of a jerk. I mean, he's yeah. not a bad human being, but, like, he is very self-absorbed. Yeah. He is very destructive. I mean, he kind of takes that time yeah, of I mean, life And it's to not the, even just that he's self-destructive. It, like, his he is, issues affect a lot of Yeah, people. his self-destruction leaves, like, a path of, like, lateral damage <laughs> yes. in his wake. I mean, he's really, and it's, his is kind of an extreme case, but it's kind of when that, he never, unlike, you know, Jessica, who despite that she's, you know, kind of an asshole, does sort of build a support system and a network mm-hmm. for herself in a, like, kind of an awkward and amusing way. Yeah. Adam never does that. Yeah. And it's really kind of sad, and I love that book. That book is, like... Oh, I love that book, it's too. Yeah. That, I liked If I Say But Where She Went, just the characterization of Adam is so amazingly brilliant. Um, and actually... That was interesting, um, a comment from Jen, who's in our book club. Hi, Jen. Hi, Jen. We love you. Um, but she had said she was disappointed by the ending of that book because she felt like... I thought that was interesting. An interesting yeah. comment. So that's something else. I want to put that on the list to talk about on podcasts, is the idea of like sort of happy endings versus mm-hmm. tragic endings, because um, that's something I've sort of had in my head for a while. Anyway, just an aside. I'll probably edit that out, but maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I mean, I think kind of part of becoming an adult, which... Um, Adam, I think, kind of realizes in that book. Yeah, he has a moment. What's best for you is not what is best for other people, and you have to think, you have to deal with the consequences of either doing what's best for you or doing what's best, best for, for other, other people. people. And that's a hard decision. Yeah, and that's I think that sort of, and again, that's where I think that the idea of new adult could really differentiate from YA, right. not with the sex. But with right. the, like, because when you're 16, the chances of you really having clarity about that are pretty yeah. slim. And that's just, that's fine. That's, like, yeah. normal. You shouldn't or have really to be an adult at 16. That. Yeah, but, you know... It, or really having to live with the consequences of that because you're 16 and you still live at home. Yeah. You know? But in Where She Went, Adam has a moment where he yeah. realizes that he, he has to, you know, make one of those decisions. Right. And it's... And that, again, like, and e- actually each of them on our list kind of have those sort of, some of them have sort of a series of little moments. Yeah. And in where she went, there's, like, a big moment. And that sort of typifies it, really. When I when I see it and I, when I read it and I feel like, oh, this is done really well, um, that's, that's, that's present. So this is Sarah jumping in really quick. Um, we had a little audio glitch right here, and the book that Laura is going to start talking about right now is Holier Than Thou by Laura Buzo. You know, she's about to move in with her boyfriend at the beginning of the book, mm-hmm. move out of her parents' house. She's finished with college. She has a job as a social worker, which is extremely stressful, um, and she needs to – she's figuring out an apartment, getting um, – Getting furniture, which yeah, is getting a really furniture. big moment. When you first move into a new apartment and you're like, oh my God, and you're like, oh, I need to 
Like, I don't have anywhere to sit. Yeah, I don't have a plate to eat off of, you know? Yeah. And and then you're just like, oh, I probably need to clean it. I mean, cleaning supplies are expensive when you have to buy all of them at the same time. Actually, I still resent... (laughs) Buying cleaning supplies, yeah. they make me really mad. When you have to, like, buy all of them at the same time, you're like, oh, my God, it's like, so much I money. I just spent, like, $80 yeah. on cleaning supplies. How stupid is that? Yeah. Um, yeah, The actually, the stuff with the furniture really kind of, like, it's a little detail, but that was done... So, um, it's like... But it's a real detail. Yeah, and I, I remember really reading that, that and thinking, like, oh... I'm just like, the futon! Who didn't have a futon at their first couch, you know? I had the futon. It was red. (laughs) Um, Actually, no. I've had... I've had multiple I've futons. Had multiple, yeah. The first one was blue. Had like three or four. And actually, when we bought this futon, it was from this like there was there it was there was like a you know when people before Craigslist people put like notices on bulletin boards. So yeah. those of you who are younger, you may not have heard of these things. They're called bulletin boards, and they they had paper and people would put ads on them, and then you would call like with a phone because we didn't really have texting. You would go to a landline and make a phone call. <laughs> And you would say, like, hey, I saw your ad on this bulletin board and, like, find out if it was still available. So we did that. And so we called this guy, and it was a room full of, it was an apartment full of, like, eight or ten exchange students from China. Oh, my God. <laughs> and all, they, they all had futons. And um, the whole apartment but was full of futons. Futon. You go to college, yeah. and, and that was college, how you get a futon. That's and that was do. how we acquired our first futon. But we lost the bolts to it. Uh. <laughs> because we had to disassemble it in the front porch of the like apartment with all the exchange students. And to be able to fit it in the yeah. car of the one person we knew who had a car. And we lost the bolts. Oh, no. So instead of going to the hardware store like no more people, we just had like a futon Went that wasn't properly... No, we just had a futon that wasn't properly bolted together. Oh, okay. For like two years. Like, I don't know. We could never sit it up. It was just like a flat futon. That was really stupid. <laughs> but that is what you do yeah. when you are a yeah. new adult. You're just like the hardware store. God. Like, where is the hardware store? Like, like how, what are we going to do? We don't have the bolts anymore. And you don't even think about it, like, when you're younger, I think. But then you get older, and you're just like, oh, my God, there's this place with this that stuff. That sells bolts. That sells the stuff that we can use to fix stuff. You yeah, know? you don't really consider fixing stuff. Like, it's just like, oh, the futon won't go into its yeah. bolted up position. <laughs> and I don't want to pay someone to fix it, so I guess we just won't have it. So up, we'll just have it flat. Know? Yeah. And it works. <laughs> so anyway, Holier Than Thou deals with that, and it's also about how this girl is kind of dealing with the remnants of her high school relationships, and how they seem to be changing a lot, and a lot of her friends, she and her friends are at very different places in their lives. Yeah, because a couple of them are super successful on paper. Yeah. Um, and But she's also dealing with the fact that a lot of them are have changed a lot from the friends that she knew where this one was and this is very typical I think mm-hmm. in college where a lot of people are very idealistic and they are just like fight the power this is very common in yeah. college I think but then you get out of college and you're just like oh and you're I like need to get damn electricity is expensive yeah I mean <laughs> that's pretty much what you do and you're like okay I guess I'll get a job and I'll fight the power in my spare time and then you don't have time yeah to and then the you power, start drinking you know in your spare I mean? time yeah, and it, yeah. <laughs> but I think this book really covers that really well um, and I then think- also just kind of dealing with a relationship where I think some people really 
until you get to be that age, you kind of have this idea that relationships are going to be really idealistic. You are going to find the one, and it's going and to be awesome. I think also <laughs> the thing that that book does in it addresses in a really interesting way is I think when you're younger, you think relationships are very static. Yeah. Like you meet someone and you love them and like it exactly. sort of stays the same in perpetuity. And that book really shows how it can how evolve. And how sometimes you evolve together yes. and sometimes and you, you don't. don't. And sometimes you can figure out a way to make that work and sometimes you can't. Yeah. And that was really, really interesting. Really well done. Like I can't think of another book that did that. Yeah. Um and also the like just the job stuff, mm-hmm. which sounds like it'd be really boring. Like, yeah, no, she did an amazing job. It's um, which I think that she is a social worker in addition yeah. to being a writer. And she kind of captures that going to a job. And I will full disclosure: I hate going to work in an office. <laughs> so, but there are some, and I don't work in an office anymore, and I haven't for a number of years. And um, but it. But one of the interesting things, and I remember being really struck by this in sort of my first office job, was, like, mm-hmm. going to a job and, like, there are all these really, like, sort of tangled relationships mm-hmm. in an office. And, like, I remember, like, I actually remember consciously thinking, like, not really knowing how to manage those. Mm-hmm. Like, they're really complicated and kind yeah. of intense because you spend a, a lot, lot of time, time with those people. people. And it's, the thing is, is that... There's always going to be somebody that you work with that you do that not you like, hate. that you do not get along with, always. And, and like, you have, have to figure out, figure out how, how to work deal with, with this it. person, you know? And now that I'm older, like, I know how to handle those situations, yeah. but I remember my first office job, the girl who was the office manager was the same age as me, and I hated her. She hated me. We hated her. And she hated me because I had a better job than her. And I didn't know that was what she worked there before I started. Yeah. Anyway, but, like, there was all this drama related yeah. to myself and this other woman. And we were the same age. And it was just, like, and I literally was, like, clueless. Like, I did not know how to, like, and she would, like, come scream at me. And I knew that wasn't the right th- way to do things. <laughs> like, I knew that that was not okay. But, like, I didn't know how to manage that conflict. Like, there's yeah. no manual for, like... Maybe there is. Like, maybe in some, yeah. like, maybe in some jobs, like, they teach you that stuff. Like, well, I think some jobs technically have handbooks, but those handbooks are not helpful. No, no. And it just, like, I just remember, like, it was this constant source of stress. Yes. Is how to deal with this situation. You're just, like, you have to, like, wake up and, yeah, just, like, okay, how am I going to deal with this person? And then, like, having people who... How I, am I going to do this? Yeah, and then and on the other... It is. It's really hard. And then the other side of the coin of having people you're really close with. Yeah. But it's a weird type of closeness because you're close with them in a work context yeah but oftentimes it doesn't really translate and there's like a lot of awkwardness around that and I've always been a person where I am very different at work than I am at home yes um so I think it's interesting when you you know if you were to take somebody from work and be like hey let's get a drink let's go out or whatever Mm -hmm. um i have found that in my case it really changes people's perception of me as a person because I feel like I I don't know I don't feel like I'm that different but I guess I am because everybody says that no I because I actually have a like a work persona uh-huh. like that's yeah. not that I'm a phony but like I put a it's because I'm naturally more introverted person yeah but I put a lot of work in being like a functional person yes. and like 
the real world. Maybe that's what it is. And so it's like by the end of the day, if I like, like I've always had a hard time socializing with work people because it's like, I feel like I have to continue that persona. Um, but that book actually, I mean, there's a lot of like when work world, like when grown up work world and like old college worlds collide and like, I, you know, and the main character has a very close relationship with one of her coworkers and, but what she sees at work and like what's going on in his life yeah are there's a lot of tension yeah it's it, and you just it's kind of about learning to learning what your limits are as far as what you'll accept in relationships and what you won't yes that's an excellent point actually Really good. (laughs) Laura is very smart. (laughs) But that's exactly, that's in a lot of ways kind of the crux of that book is like what what can you and can you not tolerate. And and, and it's not even just romantic ones, but I just know it's all a lot of of relationships. Family, friends, and romantic, and and work. Yeah, and just sort of figuring out how to to navigate all of that. It's a really, really well done. And, um, it's it's hard to get your hands on in yeah. the U.S. and in the U.K., but um, you can get it from Fish, Fish Pond, Pond which, which is kind of a pain in the butt to order from, but um, it's one of those that's really worth tracking down. Yeah, um, I mean, if you can track it down, I really highly recommend this book. Because it's... Um, and it's interesting because it's actually often talked about in sort of the same breath as one of my favorites from last year, which was Come See About Me. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and actually, Katie from The Read Venture, she's very smart. Yes, she is. like the second we time we've referenced an her. an email kind of discussion about um, these two books for a little bit. And so. Katie had some interesting comparisons between Come See About Me and um, Holier Than Thou. Mm-hmm. And they are, they can almost be read as sort of a compare and contrast. Mm-hmm. Sort of, um... I, I mean, I really like both of them. I really like both of them, too, but it seems like most people love one yeah, or the other. Like, they the feel other, very yeah. intensely about one and are, like, pretty ambivalent about the other. Yes. And, um, I really like both of them. I would say I like Come See About Me more. Yeah. And you probably like Holier Than Thou more. Yeah, but I still really liked Come See yeah. About Me. Um, um... And I thought it was really interesting how she dealt with with relationships in this one where at the beginning of the book the girl is dealing with the death of her live-in boyfriend who she's deeply in love with yeah like and that's i actually i just say like i had a very hard time with the beginning of that book like mm-hmm. i almost wasn't sure i was going to be able to read it because like it was just very like it's very intense it is very intense and um this you know this character's dealing with this loss. Yeah. And she's and it's like, something unusual where you yeah. don't really see people deal with that. I she's think. like 20. Yeah. And she's, you know, lost this boyfriend that, yeah. you know, he's run over by a car. Yeah. It's horrible. Quite tragic. And yeah. um, sort of this freak thing. And no one understands like, in her mind, what she is going through. Yeah. Like, all she wants to do is just stay in this apartment they share together. Yeah. Because that's, like, sort of the only... She thing. feels like if she were to leave it, it would be, like, abandoning It'd be her. like he... It would be a betrayal of what they yeah. had. And so. no one can really understand that in her yeah. mind. Um, and I feel like a lot of times when, when it's a boyfriend as opposed to a spouse... Mm-hmm. People don't take it as seriously. No, and I think that's really... And also because of her age, because she's young, and it was like... So she can really just move into, on yeah, and, and I move feel on like with a, life. Um, 
a lot of people would expect that where they don't take it as seriously as like a marriage. But like my husband and I lived together for a long time. So technically he was my boyfriend before we were married. And I feel like um, it would have it been just as devastating for me then as it would be now that we're married. You yeah, know? and I think that's... I, because I have the same, I mean, my husband and I lived together for a really long time yeah. before we got married. It's funny how we have these, like, weird life parallels. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, you know, and I'm sure, like, I, and I think that was probably why, in a sense, that that affected me so much was, like, mm-hmm. because a lot, the people didn't really understand the importance of that relationship mm-hmm. in Leah, the main character's um Life, like, or right. she felt like they wouldn't understand yeah. the importance. And I, I think people didn't understand the importance in a lot of right. ways, um, especially because she's young. They're just like, oh, you've got your whole life. You've ahead got, of and, you. and people she say feels that like her, her whole life ahead of her has been taken it's been away gone. Like, there's just a wall. It was with supposed him. to be with this guy, and they had a really wonderful relationship. Yeah. I mean, and that's, um, you know, and she can see that, and she just everything she had ever thought about in the time, the couple of years of their relationship was centered around what they were going to do together. Yeah. And, um... Not that, I mean, not to say that she wasn't her own person with No, her she own wasn't, interest, but they had but, just... I mean, they were talking about building their life together. Yeah, they had always, they were planning together, yeah. like, as people who have grown-up relationships yeah. do. Like, and it was very, it was, it was a grown-up relationship that they had. And eventually, you know, the sort of financial realities of her life kind of come to the forefront, that she can't yeah. stay in this apartment... Because she can't pay the rent. Yeah. And she drops out of school. Because yeah. she doesn't go to classes anymore. And she goes to um, a suburb of Toronto and ends up staying with um, the boyfriend's aunt. aunt yeah. And um, because she, you know, she's the person who sort of opens her door to her. To her but, um, and she has to sort of figure out, like, she has to, you know, sort of suck it up and find a job. Yeah. And she has to, you know, sort of navigate some bad decisions she makes. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, that's also, like, I have to say, like, I have to just shout out to C.K. Kelly Martin for, yeah. um, for being the only book I could, no, there's actually another one, there's an Australian book that mentions, but the only book I've read that mentions the morning after pill. Like, seriously, yeah, I was like, right. I was like, oh my God, because I often like come across like situations in books where I'm like, um, yeah, there's actually a solution to this little problem. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, you're right. But she has to deal with like the financial impacts of her decisions and like all of these other things that happen in her life and she has to figure out a way to move forward and like sort of create this new path for herself and it's like a very moving story i felt really rewarded as i kind of you know as i went through the book and you kind of slowly saw her being able to start to move through this yeah and it was just it was really slow it was yeah it is not a a fast paced book it was kind of like a flowering you know, yeah. where it's just like it would just it would just kind of pokes out of the dirt a little bit and a little bit more. Slowly. It's like these little moments where yeah. it's like when she makes friends with the neighbors. Yeah, and like that's this huge moment where she starts to talk to the neighbors, and yeah. it's like because she just doesn't talk to people because she assumes they won't understand. Yeah. And, and like, then there's just moments where you see her, uh, where she says something really funny. 
Yeah. You know, where she wasn't funny before, where she was so serious, and everything in the first part of this book is so serious and sad, and then there's a joke that comes in, you know? And Mm -hmm. to, like, see that, you can see that she's kind of starting to move forward in her life um, on her own terms, which I thought was really an important part of the book. Yeah, and I think that's also why it kind of, like, if this new adult thing is going to catch on, which I'm still not sure it's going to catch on with, like, mainstream yeah, readers. Right. Um, I, that theme of, like, sort of figuring out, like, because, like, life throws crap at you. Yeah. Like, hopefully it's not things as bad as what this character deals yeah. with. But, like, when you get to be that age, like, you've got to figure out how to handle that, like, even if you have a support system, but you've got to figure out how to handle that on your own. Yeah. And um, that's what I was sort of hoping to see. I, I knew adult. Yeah, because yeah, I read Come too. See About Me around the same time as I read Easy. See, I got really screwed up. Like, because I was like, read these two that were like, okay, these are like, this is cool. Yeah, spoiled. <laughs> I really did. And then, you know, like, and then sort of, and the previous year I'd read Rod Blue. Oh, yeah. Which is another one. Which that, is really good. I just finished reading that one. Which is finally available in the U.S., um, which is by Kirsty Egar. Um, and it deals with, you know, that um, sort of the aftermath of another really bad thing that happens to the main character. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's not in school, kind of yeah. like Leah. Um, I, I actually see those as more similar in a lot of ways. I than, know. I would totally um, agree with you. Holier Than Now and Come See About Me. Like, yeah. I think thematically I they have... Agree. A lot in common, um, and I actually remember thinking that when I read Come See About Me that they were had a lot in common, but, um, uh, you know, again, it's sort of like that kind of navigating, like, a new path thing, because that happens to people, like, that is, like, a yeah, real-life thing, that's where, a like, thing. Yeah. it happens to, like, honestly, it probably happens to most people, where they yeah. sort of, like, think they're going to have things be one way, and then they're, like, 20, and it's like, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, and it's, and both of those, you know, do that really well and in a more, in kind of a complicated way. I mean, the resolution Mm -hmm. for both those characters is not easy. Yeah. At all. No, you're right. And, um, and actually in some ways I think it's harder for the main character in Rob Blue. Yeah. Um, but I mean, are there, were there others that had, sort of encapsulated that theme that you can think of? Those are the two main ones. I mean, yeah. I'll probably think of something after we stop recording. So. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, there's a, I mean, I can sort of, you know, think of a few that are definitely more skewed to the YA side of things. Yeah. Um, because they capture sort of that, like, I mean, you know, Gail Foreman's new book. Yeah. I think has some of those themes. Right. And, like, Melissa Walker's Love Struck Summer has some of those right. themes. Um, but those definitely, to me, feel, like, and it's one of those where I can't define it very well, but they feel like YA. Yeah. And it's, but, I mean, I feel like with the new adult book is that these people are really dealing with the on their own. Yeah. And that's, like, that's where I think it really is. I think that is one of the big differences for me when I read these books. Yeah, and I'd like to see, I mean, and what I told Laura a while back, like, a lot of these books are being labeled as new adult. Like, I remember coming across them um, sort of around early 2000s, like, what well, a lot, sort of the really good quote-unquote chiclet. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, there was an imprint that eventually was bought by 
Harlequin, but I think it was its own publisher at one point, which was Red Dress Inc. And they published all, and I was actually just talking to Trish Dollar mm-hmm. about um, their their books, just like last week I was talking to her on Twitter about it. And they put out a lot of sort of, um, it was li- always marketed as chiclet, but it was a lot of sort of recent college graduate mm-hmm. characters, um, kind of trying to figure out like, what am I going to do with my life? That sort of thing. Um, one of my favorites was summer in the land of skin, which is like this fantastic novel about family and, um, you know, that, um, and sort of figuring out friendships when you're like 23. Yeah. It gets really hard hard. to meet people and like be friends and like find people you have stuff in common with because a lot of people are really transient and they're Yeah. I mean, when I moved to Portland, I was 24 and I had the hardest time making friends. I mean, I had some people from work that I hung out with and stuff, but yeah. it was really hard so, to meet people. There were some really good books put out at that sort of, it was like around, sort of from like 2000 to maybe 2004-ish. Mm-hmm. And they were really, like, I read a bunch of those books that were marketed as chiclet, but they were different. Like, they were because yeah. I think of, like, the chiclet as, like, the, the, the sort of sex in the city. Yeah. Like, books about shoes and, like, shopping right. and that kind of stuff. And not that there's anything wrong with those books if that's what you enjoy. I hate those kinds of books. <laughs> and, um, but there were these other books that were kind of coming under the auspices of chiclet right. at that point in time. So, I mean, part of me says, like, this is just, like, a new label for something that's been, kind of comes up Mm -hmm. every so often. And, you know, so I don't know if it's something that's necessarily going to stick as, like... Sustain itself. Yeah, as, like, a mainstream. And would we see in a library, like, a section for new adult books? Or would that just confuse people more? I think it would. I think it would, too. And I know that's a controversial, like, when I said this in my blog post last year... Where I just didn't think it was a particularly helpful way of organizing books. Like, people thought I was, like, sort of hating on the idea of New Adult. But and you're I'm not, not at all. Because we love it. I think know? it's great. I actually would like to see more of it, particularly with sort of these certain themes around, yeah. like, figuring out like figuring out your shit, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, that sort of navigating the way relationships mm-hmm. trans. I mean, relationships change of all types. Like, relationships with your family, with your friends, with, like, you yeah. know, love interests, what have, have you, change a lot in that time period, and... I mean, I just, I'm thinking about it right now that you're saying it, and I went through so much change from the age of, like, 22 to 26, which is not that long, no, it's a really short period of time, and I and, think a lot of people I mean, have that experience. My friends, my romantic, and my family relationships all drastically changed during that time period. Yeah, I so. think that's a really normal thing. Yeah. And um, so I would love to see more that books that do that, and yes. I think there are books that are doing that. Um, and I also think it's interesting what gets labeled as sort of falls when I see, you know, on... You know, on blog posts or you know, on Goodreads lists or what have you, what gets labeled as new adult mm-hmm. definitely fits a certain thing, and it's not always things that encompass those themes we identified. Right. And not that we're the arbiters of this, but <laughs> I mean, I don't see like there's a you know a fair amount of literary fiction that right. addresses that time. A lot of it I don't care for, yeah. but it does address that time in life, and I don't know why that doesn't get included on those lists. Yeah. Um, genre fiction has been doing that for a long, for a long time. time. Yeah. Um, like, you know, Rachel Vincent 
her um, Werecats book, which don't laugh, everyone. <laughs> that series is really entertaining, and I got, like, I basically gave up life and read that whole series. It took me, like, two weeks because they're long books, and there's a lot of them. Um, but the main character at the beginning of the series, she's, like, this sort of insufferable grad student. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the series, she's figuring out how to be, like, a real adult, mm-hmm. and like, because she has to be like a leader in her community, yeah. And like, I mean, it's like that's like urban fantasy, yeah. But like, that's and urban fantasy has been doing that for a long time, and been doing you know some of it's really good. Um, and actually, I think in a sense because it can kind of depart itself from like the real world, can kind of do some, um, some really, I don't know, like almost. I don't know. There's some interesting things that urban fantasy can do that, like, contemporary fiction doesn't um, always, like, doesn't always go in those directions. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's, I'm, there's a lot of, it sort of seems like right now what's just getting labeled as new adult is essentially, like, romance yeah. feature, featuring characters of a certain age. And while I think that's a piece of it, yeah, you know. I don't really, that's not what like, I think of when like I Like, why is it. Billy Lynn's long halftime walk not considered new adult? Uh-huh. Because it probably should be because like the main character is quite young yeah and you know well it's literary fiction yeah so i mean it's i mean i don't know how helpful these if we want people to find books that appeal that address things they want to see i don't know i don't know how helpful the label is i know that's really controversial yeah but um a lot of it is how we market stuff yeah but i mean i think a lot of it gets complicated by the fact that it doesn't really have a clear audience necessarily. No, I mean, who is the audience for this? Yeah. Is it, I don't necessarily think it, the audience is for people who are... Who are of that age. I I mean, I think some of that age yeah. would, because especially, and frankly, I think actually a lot of the people who are of that age who want the new adult stuff, I would guess, and I've heard, also I've been told this, so it's not like just me making crap up, that one of the reasons they like the new adult is because they're sick of reading romances about people who are 35. Mm-hmm. So again, it's like very much driven by the romance genre, which is great. Yeah. Um, because I think there should be more diversity across all genres. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that I would have wanted to read new adult when but I wasn't I new don't adult know. Person, I, I think, you know? you know, I probably would have really enjoyed the Jessica Darling books, but mm-hmm. probably for a different reason. Yeah. Probably because... Like, like, honestly, I don't think I would have seen as much of myself in Jessica right. as I did reading it, you know, when I'm quite a bit older. Um, I see a lot of myself in Jessica. I, well, you know, you've heard me say yeah. it a lot. Like, I know, like, a lot of, like, the bloggers like to say that they really, like, see themselves in Ruby Oliver. And I'm like... I see a I'm little like, bit no. of myself. I, like, I'm like, I was not quirky and charming like Ruby Oliver. Like, yeah. I was a pain in the ass. I was totally like Jessica Darling, and I yeah. own that. I'm still. Not. I was definitely more like Jessica Darling. So. Yeah, I was not like quirky and adorable. Yeah, like I was a pain in the ass. I was a know-it-all. I I didn't know that at the time. Yeah, <laughs> I probably thought I was like Ruby Oliver, but um, you know it. Um, but as like a, I really like that as a like sort of reflective or retrospective mm-hmm. sort of. Thing. Yeah, for me, I really enjoy kind of going back and making sense of that time in my life because there was so much change crammed into such a yeah. short amount of and time. and, like, I remember being really stressed out a lot yeah. at that age. And, like, it's, like, and I'll read, like... Honey, relationships. It's all, like, <laughs> I mean, I actually just remember, I, like, reading some of these books on our list and thinking, like, God, no 
wonder I was so stressed yeah. out. Like, but I feel like a really big <laughs> sense of accomplishment in some ways when I read those books. I'm just like, God, I got through that, you know? It's like, I, like yeah, it's like... I made it to the other side of that chasm, you know? Yeah, I, I know. Mean? It's like, oh, and I, like, lived with, like, lawn furniture as, like, my actual furniture. Yeah. And, like, like man, it's I'm like, glad I don't I have to have do that anymore. I have matching dishes and... <laughs> I still, yeah, you know, I mean, I everybody goes through that phase where they don't have matching I, stuff. For okay, a long time. I'm gonna true confessions. I actually bought my first actual set of dishes last year. I <laughs> got a lot of stuff for as wedding gifts. That's how I acquired a lot of stuff. Yeah, um, so I, yeah, well, we didn't have a registry or anything like that like yeah. normal people do, and um, so we, I literally, and my dishes aren't that fancy, but I, I had sort of accumulated, like, sort of individual plates over mm-hmm. time. I don't know how that happens. It happens and when, I just like, got, people randomly give you stuff, and you're like, I'm moving, and they're like, do you need plates for your kitchen here? I think that's kind of how it happens. what happens when you're... A new adult. So I went, I went and I bought at Ikea a whole set of dishes, which they were real fancy because they were from Ikea. Right. And I was like, this is the coolest thing. I have matching plates and bowls. (laughs) I mean, and we still have some mismatched. Oh, we totally have. I have a plate that is the plate I bought in like when I was... A junior in college. Yeah, I have really particular Very needs to that for plate. some of like some Korean food, and it just does not match up. With well, the rest see, of at our least you have there. a cool reason. <laughs> like mine is that I just really like this one plate that well, I had. That since is I was... true. Like we have this random set of bowls that are supposed to be for matzo ball soup, which is a very specific yeah. soup, and we just really like these bowls. Yeah, they're really, so. they're big, <laughs> and they fit a lot of stuff in them. Um, yeah, so, so you know, whatever. It's just, I mean, I think you know, and I, I'd be interested to hear, like, if people are of, you know, that new adult age. Like, yeah. do you want to read about like these, like about like the mismatched furniture? Yeah, about all the stuff that you're already stressed out about. Yeah, or is it just gonna like kind of upset you, you more? Want, yeah, or do you just want something that's more? Um, and I, I totally have spaced the word. No. More or of a fantasy some, or something. Yeah, or something like that. that's more like, you know, or do you want to prefer to read, like, books for teens where there's, like, yeah. some resolution to something you already experienced? Or something that's, like, maybe, you know, maybe a genre fiction that's yeah. completely departed from Or something more escapist. Because you know? I'm, and when I was that age, honestly, I'm going to, you know, true confessions, like, when I was that age, like, I read so much, like, sort of stuck-up literary fiction because yeah. I thought it was very important I think that, that I... I went through that phase, too. Yeah. That I, like, read things that were smart. Yeah. Like, that was very that people important. Said, smart people said were smart. And that, know? like, when people came to my house and had no <laughs> furniture and I had the pile of books, so I've always read a lot. I had the pile of books, like, mm-hmm. in, on the floor because I didn't have bookshelves. Because bookshelves are expensive. Yes, they um, are. I, uh... I really wanted them to think that I was reading things that were intelligent. Yeah. So, I would be really curious. I would love to know what other people think of. I am very curious as well. So, anyway, I mean, please let us know sort of what, if you are of that age, what you would like to read. Yeah, I'm really curious And, or what you, if you aren't, if you're like an oldie like we are, like, what did you read when you were that age? Mm -hmm. Like, I, because I know I was very, I mean, I did read like, sort of like, some cool sort of hip crime fiction, but that was, like, sort of the, like, least, like, sort of I was trying to be a smarty pants stuff I yeah. read. Um, I don't know. 
It's it's an it's an interesting subject, and I yeah, I was really into reading stuff on the meaning of life when I was that age. I feel like oh yeah, I didn't go that far down the rabbit hole. Yeah, but I was really into those kinds of books then. It's see, and I'm self-aware enough to know, like even back then, that if I started reading about the meaning of life, I would like basically go in sort of like an angsty tailspin and just never recover. Oh. Yeah, I have a really hard time with those sorts of discussions. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so... Thanks, you guys. Yeah, we're going to wrap it up. We're going to wrap it up because we've been talking at you for quite some time. But make sure to leave comments. And, we um, love them. We do love them. And, um, you know, if you have other thoughts on this topic or related topics, we would love to know. And maybe you will get shouted out as much as the lovely Katie from the Reef. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you inspired our next topic. <laughs> Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Clear Eyes Full Shelves podcast. Be sure to check out our book reviews, recommendations, opinion, and all-around nerdy badassery at cleareyesfullshelves.com or on Twitter at Full Shelves. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Until next time, Clear Eyes Full Shelves can't lose.